0: hi i'm tyler this is travis hello we are micu mobile intensive cat unit welcome to the podcast today we're going to be talking about ems resiliency and mental health issues and concerns this is our very first podcast thank you for listening to us so travis what are we going to be covering today Uh, So we're going to be talking about um, resiliency, mental health, mental health awareness, um, and just some of the concerns that uh, we as first responders have, and um, what are some of the latest procedures and policies that EMS services are implementing to help combat this uh, rampant issue. So, we're talking about PTSD and medic burnout for the most part, right? PTSD and medic burnout, absolutely. Okay. I love this topic. I think more career career departments should be implementing these things, and so hopefully we can take care of our first responders. Absolutely. Uh, so, starting off, uh, according to the NAEMT, um, EMTs have a 30, 37% chance of contemplating suicide, which is ten times higher than the average American adult. <clears throat> oh lord, that's quite a bit. Mm-hmm. What about firefighters and police officers? Um, you know, I can find some numbers on that. Uh, at the moment, I just had <laughs> research on just the EMS side. Uh, Although, I can tell you uh, from the past research that I've done that EMS is higher than their brother's um, oh, actually, here we go. A 2017 survey by the University of Phoenix. Uh, it looked through 2,000 U.S. adults employed as first responders, including firefighters, police officers, and EMTs, as well as paramedics and nurses. Um, it finds that 84% of all first responders have experienced a traumatic event on the job. 34% of them have received a formal diagnosis of, an, of a mental health issue, such as depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, or any other um, mental health diagnosis. That's very interesting. We definitely got to be taking care of ourselves like we take care of our patients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here we go. Um, a study published online in Pre-Hospital Emergency Care in 2018 found that the rates of suicide uh, among first responders is higher among EMTs. Um, We looked at all adult first responder deaths in Arizona between 2009 and 2015 and found that those whose occupation was an EMT had more than double the rate of suicides compared to non-EMTs. Interesting. And I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of factors going into that. Considering that we work long hours, most EMS services around where we are at in Southeast Texas work 2448 or 4896 96s Correct. With little to no downtime in between calls. Correct. And a lot of it has to do with uh, EMS being the youngest of the three services. Um, police and fire have been around for hundreds of years. They've had a long time to sort of smooth out and streamline the process of how they work their jobs. Uh, We are the babies on the scene, so we're still kind of getting this whole thing worked out. Um, You know, we're still operating, in some cases, running with fire departments, in some cases running uh, with the police departments or hospitals. Um, We kind of haven't figured out who we are as an organization for EMS total. Um, And so part of that uh, discussion that's been going on is uh, the, the shift hours and the and the, uh, the mental health issues and things of that nature. Yeah. So, I mean, with this coming down, we have to take care of ourselves. PTSD is a rampant issue that we need to take care of. Our patients have health issues, so do we. We need to take care of each other and move on, like implementing peer support groups where if one of your crews has a bad call, they can talk to someone from a different service and or... Someone within the same service and mine ran the same call, right, Travis? Correct. So, like uh, critical incident stress debriefing, uh, something that we're starting to see pop up. Um, <clears throat> here uh, in Alvin, we've only recently implemented that as a tri service. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? A uh, tri service mm- peer group? Tri service peer group, right. So, um, police and fire have been doing this independently. Um, and we are now looking at doing it um, as a group, as a whole, no matter what service the, the person who had the bad experience works for, we'll come together as a whole, police, fire, and EMS, and do a criminal and stress debriefing for them. And also, we've all done this, had a bad call, went home, called a buddy that's also a paramedic, went to go have drinks, smoked a cigar, or hang out and just shoot the crap about whatever is going on in our head course of course with newer days more formal ideas need to be coming around to help take this issue so we're going to start talking about ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder me myself i have a quite a experience with ptsd myself me being a, a combat veteran myself been doing EMS since I was pretty much knee-hydro grasshopper. I've seen a lot of traumatic stuff, but I've worked through it and everything else like that. Uh, right here is Travis with more information about PTSD and what may cause it, because we're still learning every day what PTSD is now. Yeah, so we're, uh, we're still updating our um, definitions of PTSD every day. Um, initially, you know. It used to be something that was generally associated with uh, combat veterans. You know, um, what they used to call them? Shell shock. No, shell shock. That was the word. I was thinking uh, battle shock. Back mm-hmm. in World War One, um, World War Two, There you people, go. People uh, that would freeze up on a battle would be called shell shock, and whenever they got back, would act all crazy. They would be like, oh, he's still shell shocked. There you go. So, um, it's something that's been around for a long time. Typically, in the past has been associated with combat veterans, uh, but now we're updating our um, knowledge of it, knowledge base, and how it applies to first responders and, and others in, today, um, in this day and age. So some of the symptoms of PTSD, nightmares, severe anxiety or fear, flashbacks, um, agitation, irritability, insomnia, self-destructive behavior, feeling emotionally attached from those around you. Uh, These are just a few of the many, many different types of symptoms that people can experience. And it's important to note that um, different people will experience this uh, disorder differently. Some people may not have the traumatic flashbacks or the emotional detachment. Um, Some people may double down on the destructive behavior side of it. But uh, it it can manifest in many different ways uh, in different people. And so it's important to educate yourself on what it looks like uh, so you can recognize it in your peers. And in yourself, if need be. Of course. Like, if, you do, if you're if you on a call and you get severely anxious for some reason, you might not have to figure out your, what could trigger you and everything else like that. Uh, I know for myself, while driving emergency traffic, if I see trash in the road, I get very anxious very quick. Certain things will trigger me from my time in rubber interact. But learning to calm yourself down, breathing techniques whenever acute anxiety hits, using techniques like box breathing, where you breathe in for four seconds, hold that for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, and hold that for four seconds. Tends to help people get it under control. Or uh, sensory techniques like um, counting three things that you can see, three things that you can touch, three things that you can smell, three things that you can hear. Um, Sort of grounding yourself to the present um, and not allowing yourself to slip back to those um, emotional trauma. Uh, Those kinds of things can be very effective. Um, I recently attended a class at the EMS conference where this was spoken about. people have uh, a traumatic experience, they tend to sort of associate uh, all the things that their five senses are taking in with that traumatic experience. For example, um, a veteran may have flashbacks because he hears helicopter blades that could be uh, associated with the, with the bad experience the last time he had helicopter blades. So you hear those and, and start to have um, uh, an anxiety attack or flashback, whatever the case may be. Uh, so you start counting the things that are around you, the things that you can see, smell, taste here, to let your brain know that just because you've experienced one of the sensations that you were experiencing at the time of this traumatic event, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are again experiencing that same trauma. And also there's other techniques out there. There's a thing called ERMC, like uh, doing butterfly hugs. Where you, uh, put your hands across your chest, tap on either side, and looking back and forth with your eyes closed to reprocess information going on inside your head, to to get yourself out of your own head, to rearrange the information that you're taking in, so that it won't treat you as bad and maybe possibly help you deal with any stressors that may be happening. PRMC, do you know the, um... And a correction to what I just said uh, it's actually E M D R I movement desensitizing repurposing. Uh, there is great work being done by Deer Hollow Recovery Centers here in Texas by Mike, by Matt Quackenbush. Is that really what his name is? Yeah. Wow. Just think about Mrs. Quackenbush. <laughs> Not good. Yep. But he's doing great work, and there's other treatments for PTSD, helping people repurposing uh, information. Travis reading up an article right now about uh, using M- MDMA, microdosing. So you would be asked to microdose in the presence of a licensed therapist, um, and then would basically take a guided trip um, during your therapy session. Um, the idea is that it helps you open up and experience. Uh, the session in a different way. So, there's a lot of groundbreaking research in PTSD and PTSI. And the I means injury because you can heal from this. So, with all this information about PTSD and PTSI treatments and everything else like that, there's always hope for first responders. PTSD is one of the biggest reasons why we lose good medics right off the bat. Uh, EMS burnout rates are high due to a lot of different reasons. And as, as EMS responders, we need to work on this so that we have better medics in the long term. It's not overnight cowboys. So let me ask you this do you think that uh, one of the reasons that we have higher burnout rates is pay? Yes. I do believe because financial problems. Is the number one reason for people not wanting to do the job anymore or getting into the job in the first place. Mm -hmm. The average pay for a paramedic around here in the state, right around where we work, is eighteen dollars an hour. Eighteen to sixteen dollars an hour for a paramedic. For a nine one one paramedic. Yeah, for a nine one one paramedic. Transfer medics around here are going for around twenty dollars an hour. Correct. But it's still long hours with little pay. And most first responders on here work two to three jobs. Mm-hmm. Myself works three jobs. Travis here works four jobs. Yep. There's a medic in my service that works six. Who works six? Pay. Oh, yeah. Kids. Kids. And with lower pay, our calls going badly PTSD, PTSD, long hours at work. It also puts a strain on your family. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Building family bonds leads to higher divorce rates, which hopefully doesn't lead into child support, but most of the time it does. Higher which means, you know, you have to pay child support, which you gotta make more money to support and it means you're working longer, harder hours. Yep. And I can tell you, um, you know, being the of uh, the two of us being the married one, it can be very difficult with uh you your spouse or your significant other. Um, is a non first responder, it can be very difficult for them to understand why you do everything you do and take on all the stress that you take on for such little compensation. You know, if they don't do the job, oh, they can't really understand why you do it. So that, again, goes back to what you were saying, it creates stress at home, um, and. Um, can lead to higher divorce rates. So, PTSD is something very treatable. I wish that we had a lot more information to be able to put out right now, but this is an ever-growing science. Thanks to the soldiers from Iraq and Afghanistan coming back home and putting a real emphasis on their battle buddies. Uh, I very strongly support the 22-a-day movement, which is 22 to none. From 22 veterans that are killing themselves every day to zero veterans will kill themselves, plus first responders. And resiliency, resiliency training in departments are is a key and a must nowadays. Yes, very uh, much so. Uh, some things that you can do to help really alleviate some depression and bad behaviors on shift. Good shift hygiene is a must. Yeah. So we're going to start talking about uh, good uh, shift routines and shift hygiene to make sure you're more resilient. Shift hygiene as well as nutrition and uh, proper physical fitness. I I know it's kind of hard to set up a routine uh, when you're on the work and you work 24-hour shifts. and Calls can come in at any moment in time, day or night. This morning we had one walk-in right during shift change. It ended up being a critical call. So I know that's taking that throw off your whole day right off the bat before you even check off your trucks. Yep, been there, done that. But, you know, and it, it comes back to um, staffing and um, call volume and the kind of shift work like we talked about. Um, we need to be looking towards... Um, staffing trucks the proper way to make sure that we're not running medics back to back to back so that they can have that downtime and and then once they do have that downtime we need to be focusing on making sure that they're utilizing it properly so implementing physical fitness routines um, at stations you know it's something that we see uh, on the fire side quite a bit um, but not necessarily over on this side uh, I think the I think the mindset from a lot of people is that our job isn't as physical as fire, and so they don't feel like they need to exercise. They don't see the connection between that and their mental health. So something that needs to be made aware of more aware. And also the time to work out. And the time, yeah. I me and Travis are horrible about this. Where me and him will stay up all night long finishing up reports after we've been running all day long in. Not gonna lie, me and Travis are kind of, uh, what would be the best word to describe us? Hefty. Yeah, I would go with hefty. Or, you know, maybe fluffy. I like fluffy. Or cuddly. Cuddly's good. Too. <laughs> but, talking about this, me and Travis are working on our health on ourselves. I'm having, I'm working on my diet right now. Me and Travis are gonna start trying to get more physically fit. Right, so, um, being that we're both in a position where um how should i put it we're, we're in a position to be an example for others you being a supervisor here at alvin ems uh, myself being an instructor and administrator here at the college for the ems program um yeah, i think i think both of us i can speak for you we both take it seriously that we, we have to be a, a role model for what the future Needs to look like so. We were trying to change ourselves to help the next generation have a better idea of how they need to um, take care of themselves as well. And it's easy steps that we can do to change ourselves: not con- not eating brown bag meals from Sonic, Dairy Queen, and if you're from Texas, good old fashioned water burger. Mm. Mm, now I <laughs> want water burger. <laughs> I know uh, that patty melt meal. And some iron rings. Oh, it hit me. Oh, uh, <laughs> you got to stop. I know. But trying, I know it's kind of hard for us to meal prep and everything else like that. But easy stuff that you can do right off in the morning before you get to work is take 10 minutes, stretch, get in a good stretch, get the blood falling early in the morning. And stretching reduces injuries with we- our joints and backs, which is what we use mainly And we do know that um, the number one career-ending injury for EMS workers is back injuries. And there's a lot of stretches that you can do that can help prevent that kind of stuff. And I hate to say it, tobacco use is a big thing too. Me and him both rolled our eyes because we're enjoying a nice cigar while we're doing this. And I'm drinking coffee. I understand we're not perfect beings, but limiting tobacco use and vaping and everything else like that caffeine intake caffeine intake I'm horrible about it I drink probably about five gallons of energy drink a today mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um baby yoda <laughs> <laughs> yeah so limiting that caffeine intake and I know it's really hard because we've as we've already talked about there's a, a lot of people out there that are working multiple jobs ourselves included um, but they're about to comes in where you have to consider that you need to be getting the proper amount of sleep when and where you can. I know sometimes picking up that extra job, getting that extra paycheck can be very tempting for a lot of us, especially Tyler. But uh, (laughs) you keep on giving me hours. (laughs) Yes. But, uh, you know, sometimes when you got a break, it's just got to be a break. Um, Get a little sleep in. Take some time and relax won't need that third bang the next time you go on shift. Uh, so, some of the stretches that we're talking about, you know, doing some hill raises, up some calf raises in the morning, stretching out your legs, stretching out your back, arms, and everything else like that. It's great to get your blood flowing in the morning and everything else like that. And trying to set up a good shift hygiene. I understand all this is all calls dependent and everything else like that. But going in with your shift and eating a good, healthy meal, cooking at the station if you have the ability to. Going to bed at a certain time or trying to. Like I try now to go to bed on shift around 10 o'clock every night. I do the same. I I know that I'll probably be woken up about two or three times during the middle of the shift for, you know, a frequent flyer or, Hopefully, heaven forbid, nothing too critical, but this is EMS and you can't predict calls. And going to bed earlier, you know, you may get woken up six times in the night, but that could be two or three extra hours of sleep that you wouldn't get if you stay up till midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning like some of us do. Yep. And I know that we all have reports that we have to get done and everything else like that. It's all dependent on you and what type of stuff you can make happen. Nutrition is a good part of our bodies and how we regulate everything. There's a lot of diets out there, and I'm not going to support any diet. It's up to you and your body style. Some people can do keto, some people do vegetarian, yeah. vegan, and everything else like that. There's even a carnivore diet out there. Mm hmm. Ooh, that sounds good right now. If you get steak. Okay. <laughs> hey, steak and cigars. Yeah. And also having a good sense of humor is always a good good key point in v m s can't take, can't take yourself too seriously you know I think we as e m s providers definitely have a uh, reputation for having that dark sense of humor um probably even more so than our brothers over there in fire and um police, probably more so than anybody except for i would say the military um Uh, Military has a lot of weird jokes that people over here don't get. Absolutely. A lot of acronyms. Absolutely. Uh, Why do we live off acronyms? Well, (laughs) that's a good question. (laughs) I don't know. That. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, so it's great. It's great fun times, but just remember that sometimes jokes can hide serious problems. Not trying to be a Debbie Downer. We all like to talk about those calls and our patients and everything else like that. Definitely a very weird ones. Uh, and every time that I know I've had people say this, you know, "Oh, what's the worst thing you've ever seen?" And you just you give them off a weird, funny joke call, you know, like the guy laying on his stomach, literally pooping in the air because he's so sick. <laughs> I do remember you telling me about that. Yeah, so I mean. um and it's not uh it's not their fault, but a lot of times when civilians ask what's the worst thing you've ever seen, I don't think that they're ever prepared to handle the true answer to that question. Um, and we all know that it is it's kind of a mean like you shouldn't be offended by it because it doesn't come from a place of being mean It, it comes from a place of, of ignorance of ignorance, yes, and I understand that you know some people can get triggered by this. Conversation and everything else like that, but it just comes by a place of ignorance. They want to know what it's like to be a first responder because they don't think that they can do the job, and that is absolutely the case. <laughs> this job does take lots of mental fortitude to, to do it, and being able to know yourself well enough to know when you something is affecting you and you need to go get help. So, from the educational side of that, um, we started having informational sessions for our EMS education program here at the local community college um, and one of the first things that we do on during those informational sessions is uh, we ask everybody to raise their hand and say okay well um, are you here because you think that you could be an EMT or a paramedic because you um, you can see gory bloody things and walk away from it okay and 90% of the time everybody raises their hand oh yeah I'm totally fine with blood my wife pukes or my girlfriend will cry if she sees too much blood but I'm totally fine with it and then you know we give them the reality of okay well the blood and gore is only one small part of it you have to deal with um, shift work, 24-hour shifts. You have to deal with running back-to-back calls. You have to deal with um, probably not being paid what you think that your job is worth. Um, you have to deal with shitty people uh, in the middle of the night sometimes or someone calling you for something that you don't think is a necessary emergency at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, The, the stressors are a job, of our job is a lot more than just seeing blood every now and then. And it's not always the blood and gore cause that gets people. It's, Absolutely not. It's seeing the ninety year old grandma that lives by herself that can't take care of herself no more and no one cares to visit her. Going into these houses that are rat infested, animal infested. hmm Going in like, and, and seeing a patient who has been lying in his own shit and uh, an armchair in the front room while his family walks around him and and walks past him completely ignoring him but he doesn't have the ability to get up and clean himself. You know, things like that. Dealing with people that are probably the government and everything else like that. We've been on calls where there's little dogs popping up through the floor like whack-a-mole. That was a funny call. Um, Um, I'm not going to lie. I've been attacked by a kitten. And I screamed like a little girl because I didn't know what it was. Pitch black house, and get attacked by a little kitten. I just want to be playing with, with such a cute little kitten. Oh, Carried with a crap head. Talking about cats now. It's only a matter of time. I know. Oh, if you hadn't realized by the title of this podcast, me and Travis are huge cat people. Literally and physically. Literally and metaphorically. <laughs> so there is a lot of stuff going on in the ems nowadays which can add more stressors to like i know that you know covid19 is a pandemic that's going around the world right now right and uh, you know the stressors with that uh not so much that we're concerned that this is a uh, this is a serious illness because hopefully everybody listening to this is uh you know, well-educated healthcare provider like us and uh, understands exactly what COVID nineteen is. Um, but then you have to deal with the public's perception of COVID nineteen and how they're reacting to it, how it's taxing the system, particularly on hospitals, how it's taxing our system in terms of supply shortages because people are taking all the supplies before we can get a hold of them and use them for patients that we actually need. Um, so, you never know what the latest thing that's causing stress on the EMS world is going to be. And dealing with people that try to uh, tell us how to do our jobs when they're absolutely wrong. There Dr. Go. Google has put on more stress on the EMS and WebMD, things of that nature, yeah. Um, but and these are things that can easily be mitigated to help you out. So, good. And getting your finances in line, There is a lot of good finances books out there to hopefully that we can plan for a good retirement. I know that retirement for most EMS providers is a long shot down the road. Yep. So, just a little bit about myself. My name is Tyler. I've been a paramedic since 2014. I've been an EMT since I was in two thousand and six, was in the military for seven years. During that time, did two tours in Iraq uh, with the good old Third squadron, U.S. Seventh Cavalry. Gary Owen. Oh, okay. Uh, so my name is Travis. Uh, I have been a- in the EMS since two thousand and thirteen. Um, was fire certified before that. Since two thousand and ten, um, am now only EMS certified been a paramedic since 2017 running here with alvin ems uh, and at this time i am currently an instructor and an administrator for the ems program here in alvin at the alvin community college so hopefully we can uh improve our podcast and uh, make it more of an enjoyable listening experience we are going to plan new talks we're going to try to do Once or twice a month. We're not sure how often we're going to do this. Thank y'all and have a great day. Thank you, everybody. Bye.